This is a Neil Prendeville Show production for Cork's Red FM. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. The following episode contains sensitive content. Listener discretion is advised. Jamie Nagel got on stage one day and he forgot to get off. I was besotted with him. He was the love of my life. We had this magical wedding coming up. Like, my life was perfect. And as the saying goes, if something is too good to be true, it probably is. And it was. When I was wiping my own blood off the wall, I was literally looking at it going, this is not okay. This is a story about love and trust gone wrong. I'm trying to tell a toddler that her father is gone. Is that the thing I ever had to do? I'm Jamie Nagel. I was born in 1993, and then everything went to. Jamie used to always say to me, "You couldn't make it up. You couldn't make this up." Previously, I got an email from Aaron saying CPS and HMRC want to talk to Jamie. I checked every pot. I looked in the drain pipes. I was literally this poor person's house, their back garden. I scoured it. A fella had a six foot tall in a big black coat come banging on the door looking for money. And I am like, literally, I'm trying to explain the situation to him. John, a former employee, saw the real side of Jamie Nagel at work. I found out only last year then from him after everything that he was obviously scamming loads of people. We had um, an office in Riverstick. He changed the name of the company to ProAV to DSS Technologies. And I noticed that there was loads of people coming in looking for him. Because I was in the office most of the time. They were like, oh, is Jamie there? He's, he's supposed to do electrical work. I paid for it. And then another fellow said, oh, there's people that work, did the whole office up, but never got paid. And they kept on coming in and phone calls nonstop. And oh, it was crazy. Could you put a figure on the scams and the non-payments? Well, the people I know, probably 30,000, 40,000 altogether. We went to Amsterdam for um, a digital signage show and we ended up on a boat with a lot of people from Dubai that I knew nothing about. He was obviously scamming them, promising them that, oh, we'd be flying over in two, three weeks and we get this done and get that done. And I was sitting there thinking, Jesus, like, what's he on about? And, like, obviously, if I could the digital signage, you get paid for so much up front, like, for the equipment. Uh, and, like, one screen could be, like, 10,000 euro upwards, you know? So he's obviously getting paid for all the equipment and then just disappearing. So at, at some stage, you knew he was scamming people. Is that the reason why you left? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, like, the last few months of it, I, I kept saying to him, Jamie, like, I can't do this. Like, like they're coming in looking for you. Like, it's putting me in an awful situation because I'm a genuine fellow working for you and I'm getting the abuse, not you. And he was like, oh, yeah, I get to it, I get to it, I get to it. But there was never, I'm getting to it, friend. There were so many companies and then they started ringing and calling into the salon when the girl that was working for me was in there. So it became very, very stressful. And I was trying to explain to these people, is like, look, it's a really big misunderstanding. Like, this is such a big misunderstanding. I promise you. And I had all these, like, screenshots. And I was sending them screenshots from the accountant and confirmation. And we were, like, I asked the accountant for an email confirmation, a proper, you know, document to say that 
this is what's happening. The money will be in by X, Y, and Z, which he did. And I was saying this to people, and people were happy for a little while. There was a couple of things where Jay would have had, you know, kind of left the house quite abruptly as well, or in a panic and stuff like that. Um, that we didn't really know what was going on. But he'd always make an excuse. It was usually that he was sick and he suddenly had to go to A&E. He was always in a But he's the type of fella, like, you would believe him. He's so good at talking. By looking at him and listening to him, you'd say, oh, he's 100% legit. He's a genuine fella. He always needed money. Like, he had 20 bank cards from every single bank. Like, he always needed money. Always, and, and I used to always say this to him. Like, he was like, "Oh, but like, I have a, I have a fiance and kids." And I said, "Yeah, but I have a wife and I have a few kids." So like, I was like, "And I can live on a normal wage." He's like, "Every time I went into a shop, it was a different card, like HSBC and TSB, AIB, Bank of Ireland." Not, I'd never. There's some other cards there, and I don't even know. So, what would he do? Max them out and move on to the next one? Do you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was he a big spender? Did he have a flash lifestyle? He didn't, like. I, I honestly don't even know what he he done with all the money he had, like. Because, like, he never obviously paid for anything if he was getting everything for free because he wasn't paying people. There was suppliers, we say, that Jamie would have gotten stuff from for his audiovisual, you know, business himself and there was stationary supply companies there was um, electricians that needed to be paid for the work in my salon and in his office there was rent for his office there was you know various other people so there was all these people just waiting to be paid and at this point people were starting to come into my salon in in Riverstick to the girl that was working there and they were looking for money and they were looking for people and the people that worked for Jamie in his Cork office hadn't been paid. So basically nobody had been paid and everyone was getting a little bit annoyed because this was ongoing. Like, and was some of, the, of some of the people who were owed money, would that have been for things that would have been bought for and not paid for, things that would have been maybe leased and uh, yeah. Repayments yeah. weren't, weren't made. The, you know, the two vans he had on the road when he was in Cork, you know, they had not been paid for. I saw some video of him and documentation of him catching somebody mm. up the country for uh, with, yeah. a, with a digital camera. It's uh, Jamie. Nice to meet you through a uh, video. Uh, just a quick... Um, I suppose run through just to let you know that everything is legit. Um, beautiful camera, it just never got the use, not a scratch on the lens there. Um, so it's 24105. Um, hood, I don't think I ever really used it. I have actually got a kit bag for this as well so that the, the lens hood goes into it. You know, the Canon drawstring bag. Um, but as uh, you see there, on the, there's not a mark on the sensor or the mirror itself. Um, all the clicks and everything perfect. Screen itself, not a mark on it. Um, it's an amazing piece of kit. It just it doesn't get the use, so uh, I I prefer it to be with somebody who who'd actually get the bit of use out of it. Um, so I uh, I'll box it up there um, this afternoon or this evening or whatever. I send you another quick video then when it's ready to go with your address and stuff on it, and just let me know when you get a chance to do the revolution. All right, thanks, bud. Enjoy your day. All the best. They would send yeah. the money, but the but the camera or the drone and things like that it would never arrive. Mm, yeah, I I well obviously I only found out that. Um, last 
last year. Like we were well and truly finished, and people were messaging me. They were messaging you. Um, but were there any other? Because they're only the two that I know of. I know of a third, say for instance, where he tried to sell uh, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of tools, apparently. But were there other examples like the tools, like the drone, like the camera? Yeah, there was a photographer. No, I actually reached out to him because he had reached out to me. This was the very first one. This was kind of fairly when when people started kind of actually reaching out, looking for, for stuff for like that item. Um, he was a photographer. He's actually since moved to the UK. Um, so he's not in Cork anymore, but he was in town and he kind of took Jamie under his wing because Jamie was going to be a photographer because he was amazing at it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he... He texted me one day and he was like, um, oh, I don't know, hey, how's things? And I was like, oh, great. And he was like, thanks for adding me on Instagram or something. And I was like, oh, great. So I was like, oh, you know, blah, blah. I know Jamie Nagel, blah, blah. Oh, can I ring you? And I was like, it was very random. It was very random. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just knew straight away. I knew there was something wrong. So he calls me and he's like, look. He said, Jamie owes me some money and I was like for what what does he who does he own now like <laughs> oh god here we go again yeah. and he was like look he took a camera lens I, I gave him a loan of a camera lens he wanted to use it on a, a shoot he was doing or something and I basically told him he can have the camera lens and if he wanted to rent it long term it was like 80 quid a week and he said I never saw Jamie or the camera lens again no the camera lens was worth Five six hundred quid or something like yeah, that. Okay. He's like, I really need to get this back, you know, because I, I do. He rents out equipment as well, and then of course, I like he he didn't see it at the time, and then I rang Jamie, like literally screaming to him, phone going, "What the hell is going on?" And lo and behold, he dropped up half the money to him within an hour, you know. But he probably had to rob someone else to get that, and yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. But yeah. like it, it was you know, but it was things like that. Silly things. I think somebody said. I think one of the comments on Facebook. Somebody said about a Hoover. He tried to pass him a Hoover, or he sold him a Hoover, and they never got it. I don't know. There was something about a Hoover. Like he would, <laughs> he would literally. He'd sell your mother. Like he'd sell his own mother. Yeah. yeah. Anything he could sell, he would. You know. Yeah. Um. But marketplace. He had. He had everyone blocked. Even. Apparently, he was selling stuff on marketplace even when we were together. But I didn't see it because I, I don't know if you're aware when you sell stuff on marketplace, you can tick a box that says, you know, friends can't see basically what you're selling. Mm. So mm. he had me hidden from all the stuff he was selling. Sure, he sold most of my stuff as well, like from, from departed ways. He sold all of my stuff, like the kids' stuff. When you say so sold all of your stuff and the kids' stuff, like what do you mean by stuff? <clears throat> there was boxes and boxes of toys, clothes, and... Um, I had a huge bouncy castle. I was going to get to my cousin. The bouncy castle was about 400 euros worth, like a proper bouncy castle, not like a small garden one. It was a proper, massive bouncy castle um, that I had actually bought. He, I had a marquee, a really good quality marquee. He sold all that. There was literally most of the contents of the storage unit that he had sold. I think there was a Hoover involved in that actually at one point. He sold your um, vacuum cleaner? Just everything... Yeah, there was like a Henry Hoover, I think. There was loads of stuff, literally. Oh, my, the, the, our TV, my beautiful 65-inch TV that we had had since Riverstick. But I told him, I was like, look, obviously, like he's living at home. I was going to have to move somewhere. I was like, please leave the TV in the storage unit. 
And then he told me, oh, an iPad. There was an iPad gone. Yeah, there was just pretty much. So at the end, anything at the breakup, he sold all of those things, including, you said, the children's toys. Yeah, there was boxes and toys and clothing because I had said to him, um, like, our small one had, like, really beautiful Christmas coat. I remember I was like, where's the box with the Christmas coat in it? There was really lovely stuff in that. And poof, magically it vanished. It was just, he couldn't find it. And I was like, well, it has to be there because we boxed them up. And got boxes of toys. You know, I think there was a pink little Mini Cooper car that she had gone. Like, uh, these oh, things are just must, gone. It must have been heartbreaking for you at the time to have to witness that. Oh, like, like see, because what he'd do is he'd draw it out for so long. Like, you know, he was like, oh, no, it's up in the storage unit. I'll have to go rooting for it. And it could go on for a week or two. So you're kind of like, you nearly kind of, you get fed up of asking at a point. And then you, because there's parties who go, it's somewhere in there. But then eventually I knew I was like, no, he is he's just selling everything. It, it's hot. it's disgusting. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. disgusting because I had nothing. Like, I literally ended up with nothing. So all this stuff for the kids was valuable to me. All the stuff I had was valuable to me. I could have sold the bouncy castle and made a couple of euro for myself and for the kids. Do you know what I mean? To try and get a roof over our head. But he didn't care about that. He didn't care about any of that. You know? Jamal has promised a London home to Kathleen, Jamie and their child. So a permanent move to London is planned and executed. Jay had us packed up and out that door. It was like a Monday and we were in London by the Thursday with the house emptied out. Bags packed. Child in tow. <laughs> like, in London. The deal was, and I said to Jay, because we couldn't go with no money. And I said, look, the only thing is we, we don't have any money. My business can't support a London lifestyle. Like, London's so expensive. Did your folks know that you had left, packed up, cleared out the house, gone to London? Yeah, like, okay. yeah, of course. Now, my mom was just beside herself. Like, she was like, ah, you don't need to. And I was like, look, sure, we can come back anytime. Look, there's no panic. And then she was like, but you're going to have the baby over there. And, you know, she won't travel. Like, she, she's... You know, she doesn't even have a passport. Like, and she was like, "But you're going to have to leave." And I was like, "Look, we'll arrange you to get your passport, and you can come over." And you know, when I, I was due like end of January, start of February, I was like, "You can come over. We pay for everything. We're going to pay for everyone to come over, and you know, it'll it'll be great. Like, it'll be different, but it'll be great. And mm. look, London is so lavish. You know, we're going to have a nice house there. And did you, you know, tell her the that there here. was over thirty million in your bank account? Yeah, she knew. She knew, like, um, my dad was just, like, I think he was just a little bit shell-shocked, to be honest. Like, you know, it was... It, do you know what? Jane used to always say to me, you couldn't make it up. Yeah. And he used to always say, you couldn't make this up. You couldn't make it up because, like, who would make that up? And then I found out that there was no insurance on him. It was a fake, a fake insurance disc he had. Did the guards sure. tell you that the insurance discs were fake? Um, no, Jamie told me afterwards. Like, pretty much everything that he could get on, we'd say, you know, on, on lease, 
wasn't paid for and any work being done wasn't paid for. So it included electrical work that had to be done in my salon that he arranged for me because his thing was, I look after it. I look after it. I was like, okay, no Mm. problem, you know. And I think what happened in the salon in Cork was he had done initial electrical work and set up of cameras and stuff inside there. Like, there was way too much high-tech stuff inside it for a dog grooming salon. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like, my salon was literally, like, (laughs) state-of-the-art. And there was cameras in there. But, you know, I I never understood why there was a need for all this. We were in and out of lockdowns in London. But we went over anyway and we stayed in the hotel apartment that we had stayed in before. And it was lovely and, you know... It, it was great, but it wasn't ideal because, again, look, with a toddler and heavily pregnant, an apartment is quite small. And, like, we were near Tower Bridge, but there's not much around there. And I couldn't walk anywhere. Like, even to get the train, by the time I get to the train, I barely stand. So I couldn't bring a toddler, you know, walking with me when Jay was gone. Jay used to be gone from 6.30 in the morning to go to Greg to try and sort out all these things. He was pulled back in then when he was over there by the um, CPS to do signing of all these documents and they have to get a barrister involved. So along comes Simon. Simon is a huge barrister in London and he deals with all this kind of malarkey, right? Finances and all that. Um, so he's going to help us out. In the meantime, Greg's assistant, Haley, like I was like, Haley, what's going on? Like, you know, why is the money not being transferred? Then Greg contacted me one day by WhatsApp and he was like, Haley's after messing up something on the account and we've had to let her go. So we're going to have to kind of go through things again. And I was like, are you absolutely joking me? Like, this is just going on and on and on. And then it had to go back to whatever, CPS and all this. I honestly, I can't even remember what the ins and outs of why it went back to CPS, but there was problems with the money coming through and uh, we know when, all, when all of this when all of this was going on uh, obviously you must have been exhausted from all of this and heavily heavily pregnant did did you yeah. and did you and and jamie ever have um any strong words or any arguments about yeah. it was there any friction between you did you get angry did you know it only started to get bad between us when we were in london okay at this point i was losing my mind and when i say i was losing my mind I was losing my mind. I was inside an apartment from morning to night with a toddler who, God love us, the poor child just didn't know what was going on. We'd occasionally go out, maybe, you know, once or twice a week. Then there was lockdown, so sometimes there was nowhere to go. I had nobody there. I had no family. I had no friends. He did fly my best friend over to me for a few days that she paid for and she came over to me and I suppose like she you know she kind of cared more about me she she just wanted to be there and support me and I actually loved when she was there because I was just so happy to see somebody you know I was like oh thank god you're here and she was actually texting Aaron at one point because going way back when Aaron's marriage had broken up and I had said to Jay I was like oh my god we should set Aaron up with my friend like they started texting as well so you know, and he was saying like when things were all cleared up, he was going to come over and he was going to take her out. There was lots of flirty messages. Like she told me that she was like, you know, it got it got a bit flirty, and she was very excited. So when we got to London, Aaron got arrested. Aaron 
was arrested because nothing to do with a he had done some dodgy dealings and there was a lot of cash that couldn't be accounted for because apparently the, their revenue was still looking into him because there was a lot of question marks over his income and unexplained money. Aaron got arrested. So that was Aaron gone. And I was like, what? Like, are you serious? You see everybody so, dropping. You see everybody's overtime dropping off. Aaron has dropped off. Adam oh, has yeah. dropped off. Brian has dropped Marie, off. Max Marie actually dropped, dropped off. off. Marie, Marie dropped off some time before that. She just vanished. Marie as well. And then Aaron, Aaron was telling me that she was dating his brother for a while and that she actually fell pregnant and she had a bit of a mental breakdown and she lost the baby. I kind of started like, making jokes and stuff every year and I was like, Jesus, everything we touch, someone's getting arrested or like, they're just like, vanishing or like, are we bad luck or what? <laughs> Um, so Aaron's gone to prison and Greg is still dealing with us um, Greg makes numerous you know updates to take us to dinner and stuff like that and that doesn't happen because something always comes up he has to work on he's on a case he can't do this he can't do that so Jamal is there anyway and Jamal is like look I have this lovely house it's up in Chelsea he sends me on these photos of this stunning house and he's like look I'm getting a few bits done for it I was going to rent it out. He said, I have, myself and my brother have something like 60 properties to rent, right? They they rent out and whatever. And that's grand anyway. So he said, look, this house will be ready in a few days. Just hang tough and we get it ready for you. So I was like, excellent. Thank God we can get out of this apartment because this is running for like two, three weeks and like I'm literally going star crazy in this apartment. Like I... Like, I've gone to the point where I can't lift my daughter into her cot because I'm in so much pain. Yeah. And Jay is gone. So. You're probably due any day, are um, you? I was about eight months at this point. Okay. All right. But I was quite heavy as well, like, you know, so I, I, <laughs> I was starting a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> so I was in a lot of pain. And because of my pelvic pain, like, it literally was excruciating for me. Mm. I remember saying to Jamie that, like, look, are you sure there's a property there? And... In the coming few days, Greg, the accountant, had actually sent me a photograph on WhatsApp, a picture of Jamie holding keys to the house, saying, you know, oh, you've got you've got your keys or something like that. Mm. <clears throat> and I was, like, getting a bit excited then because I was like, okay, there's, there's keys, you know, we, we're getting, I can get out of this bloody apartment because I was starting to go crazy. Um, our daughter's going crazy as well. Like, you know, we're in no lockdowns over here. We can't go anywhere. It's the middle of London. It's there was nothing around. There was no parks. There was no playgrounds. There was no really safe for her to take her to run around. I, at this point, was getting contacted a lot from people back home, from different people saying that they were looking for money. And I was trying to explain that, look, you know, things are really tied up at the moment and I promise it's not fake. And I was trying to send them, you know, screenshots of, like, emails from the accountant saying that, like, look, you know, this is what's happening. And did you oh. say to him in London that all of these people were looking to be paid, they were contacting yeah. you, they were calling... What did he say to all of that? Um, his answers were initially the same. He really didn't seem bothered by it. And I was getting... I was actually starting at this point to get annoyed at him because he wasn't bothered by it. And he he was just like, sure, what can I do? Like, the money hasn't come in. They'll just have to wait, you know? And I was like, but... but 
I was like, but Jay, like, I'm dealing with all of this because they're not getting in touch with you. Everyone that rings you, they can't get in touch with you. Nobody's getting you via email. So, of course, they're going to come to me. Mm. I'm trying to, like, tell them the situation. I Like, I spent my evenings crying. I cried every day because I was so, so stressed from people constantly. And I couldn't understand. And then I was literally having it out with the accountants going, what is going on? Why is our money not being released back to us? You know, what? Like, I just, I had no answers. And I knew in my gut, I knew something, like, it wasn't right. It was all just a bit too crazy. And it was starting to get crazier. And he was missing from half six in the morning right through to the evening. The odd time he might come home at lunchtime. I was stuck in this apartment, left alone with my mind, basically, mm. and a oh, toddler yeah. and pregnant. If there was nothing open around the place. The coffee shop, Costa or something, was open down mm. the road, which I couldn't even walk to because it was too far. So I had nothing. I could, you know, I, I had nothing there for me. I had no friends, no family. I got to see nobody, really. So I was like, okay, so we have the keys. And then Jamal was saying, oh, there's problems with the, you know, we're really finding it hard to get this leak under control. Like at this point, I had all my bags packed up. I was like ready to go. And then Jay was out working one evening and he was like, I'm heading up to Chelsea. You know, I'll check out the property myself. I'll go have a look and just meet Jamal up there anyway. And I was like, great, so you're actually going to see the place. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sent me a photo like a couple of hours later in front of, we say like the, the number on the door was number 20. Like he sent me a picture of himself in front of this beautiful big black door, you know, with smiling, pointing at the door. And I was like, oh my God, he's actually there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That kind of gave me a little bit of hope. And then Jamal kind of went off the scene for a few days or whatever. Of course, he never got inside yeah. the building. This were photographs from the front door, of course. Um, yeah. And all, all of your conversations never, with Jamal were again back and forth by email. Email and WhatsApp, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Jay was telling me that, like, look, he was talking to all these people. and But I was starting to get a bit annoyed. I was like, I want to speak to them. Like, I'm getting really, really keyed off. Like, I want to speak to them. Coming up on You Couldn't Make This Up. Jamie was spending the morning with his accountant, Greg, and this barrister, Simon, to try and get all of this money released. And then in the evening, he was a TV personality. Graham Norton is in this week, and he might get to see him and meet him for a couple of minutes. So he came back one day after being at the hospital, and he sat me down, and he was shaking. He had been diagnosed with MS. We had nothing, and that realisation started to hit, so I was like, right, I need to get out of this apartment. And I basically said to him one evening that if you don't get me out of this apartment, you're going to find me at the bottom of the pain. This is a Neil Prendival Show production for Cork's Red FM.